The text for the message this evening is Psalm 102, and we'll read that together. Psalm 102, prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. My bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger, for you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord. And all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord that he looked down from his holy height. From heaven, the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. O my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Beloved Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's the time of year that we think about the passing of time, and if we look back to 2020, we may be surprised that more happened than COVID-19 and the American elections. You can see the news stories, and you can see if you, you look, your mind can travel over a medley of events this year There were natural catastrophes, there were wars, there were political changes, diseases, and all these were, were standing on the news channels right beside our favorite 100 sport highlights of the year and those hilarious bloopers from 2020. 
And seeing our, our past year literally flash before our eyes also makes us realize how quickly time is passing by. Psalm 102 has many references to days and years. And it captures how many of us feel when we are overwhelmed by the passing of time and the sufferings that we face in this life. We can identify with the exhausted tone of the Christian in this psalm. For many of us, it seems like we read in verse 10 that God has taken us up just to throw us down. We are concerned about the well-being of the Emmanuel congregation, about the Devon congregation. We are praying for Christians all over the world who, like those in Nigeria and other places that we hear about in, in China as well, they're, they're suffering persecution. And that's happening even today. We are concerned for the health of our planet. We are concerned for the next generation and their children and what kind of world they will live in. Do you ever experience the pains of aging and disease? Do you experience sometimes the loneliness of life, the threat of God's enemies? The grieving of living in a fallen and a temporary world? Do you ever feel a little worn out? Well, Psalm 102 gives the afflicted church the words of a prayer when we are faint and we pour out our complaint before the Lord. You see that in the title of the psalm. And these words, as we read them, they, they show to us, they assure us that our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was also on the earth in the flesh himself, he understands the struggles. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. The glory of the Lord who is enthroned forever is not his pomp, but his pity for the church. We read in verse 17, he regards the prayer of the destitute, and he does not despise their prayer. That's good news for all of us who call on the name of the Lord, both now, but also in the generations to come. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, the Lord will be praised by generations to come. Our lives are like smoke that vanishes. Our universe is like clothes that wear out. And our Lord remains enthroned forever. Psalm 102 states a reality that every one of us must face. Our time on earth passes by too quickly and it's full of distress. The imagery used in the psalm gives a vivid picture of what it's like to live in the world that's still under the curse. Verse 3 says, My days, my days are compared to smoke. You think about sitting around a fire and you try to describe smoke. You, you can see it and you might even feel it in your lungs if you happen to be sitting too near to it. But if your eyes follow the smoke up into the sky, you'll notice that it eventually dissipates. It, it just kind of disappears as if it was never there. It doesn't even leave a trace that it had been there. And although on the one hand our entire 
existence can seem just as, as fleeting as that smoke. On the other hand, we find out that the painful feelings of this life and the suffering of life are very real. Already from a young age, we deal with injuries and ailments and often experience pain in our bones. And we see it in verse 3 compared to the, the burning of a furnace or of glowing embers. And at such times of suffering, pain kind of sticks with us like glowing embers. Our hearts, we read, that's like our, our inners, our guts, they, they feel they feel st- struck down like grass that has, has withered. And the groaning of suffering can sometimes hit so hard we don't even feel like eating. You see that in verses 4 to 5. In verses 6 to 7, describe the feelings in the heart of an afflicted Christian by pointing to a desert owl or a lonely sparrow on the housetop, feeling isolated and all by ourselves with our thoughts. Verse 8, taunted by enemies. And then verse 9, so, so focused on our own misery that it's like we're, we're eating, we're, we're choosing to eat ashes and, and mixing tears in with every drink that we take. And although you may not feel this right now in your life, when you think of all that the Christians around the world are suffering, you share their pain. You understand what it means to, when someone says that life is, is difficult. We are part of the body of Christ who is suffering the infirmities of the flesh that also our Lord Jesus has suffered. Verse 10 says that the fallen human race is, is really feeling that indignation and the anger of the Lord consequence of the fall into sin. There's no way that we can just escape from suffering in this life. We all age, we all get injured, we all cry, we all suffer, and one day we all will die. The psalmist explains in verse 11, my days are like an evening shadow, I wither away like grass. An evening shadow appears when the sun is low in the sky and it starts short and it grows longer until all of a sudden it just disappears completely when the sun sets over the horizon. Well, facing our own mortality helps us to understand our absolute, absolute need for the pity and the attention of the Lord who is eternal and who is beyond all the crushing limitations of time and of fallen creation. Verses 23 to 24 of this psalm suggests that one of the reasons that the Lord might take us up and throw us down, like we read in verse 10, is so that we learn to turn to Him for what we need. When we pray to the Lord, we acknowledge that it is the Lord who has broken our strength in mid-course, and it is the Lord who has shortened our days. You think about that imagery, the, the imagery of having our, our strength broken mid-course. 
It reminds us of a race or a journey that we set out on. And when we set out, we have a clear destination in our minds. We, we chose our destination. We, we set our goals. This is what I want to reach. And we, we set the goals by what we think that we can do. It was a journey in a car. We ensured that the vehicle was in good shape, that it would make it to that destination. We had enough food and money to sustain us on the way. Or if it's a race, we we ensured that we trained our bodies properly for the challenge. The goals that we set in this life are often based on what we think we are capable of. But how often doesn't it happen that our plans are interrupted. They're interrupted by unemployment. They're interrupted by illness or injury and even death that always seems to come too early. Christians see the hand of their wise, good, and gracious Lord even behind the suffering that we face. We may ask, why does the Lord do this to us? Why, why this struggle? Why this shortening of, of days? It's so we can consider and understand our days. Understand that we are fragile. So that we might turn from pride and relying on ourselves to, to make it to that destination. And turn to humility. Turning to the Lord our God to help us. Psalm 102 cries out to the Lord, having faced the the weakness of the flesh, encountering the struggle. The psalm lifts up his heart to the Lord. It's verses 1 and 2. Crying out to the Lord that he might come and answer him speedily. For even the world that God had once made so good and so full of promises for everlasting joy and fellowship It's also wearing out. The end of the psalm refers to this wearing out of the earth. When we face weaknesses and fragility in our lives that cause us to suffer, our natural reaction is to right away look around us to get help. When God created men and women and he placed them in a beautiful universe that's full of of resources and riches and and possibilities, then God endowed the human race with many gifts and their cooperation and their creativity have filled our lives with helpful technology, a a wealth of books and, and information and comforts. Living in North America in 2020, we live like the kings and queens of old. And there can be no doubt that we, we often turn to the blessings in our universe when we need that support and guidance, when we, when we realize our own weakness. Now for many in the world, this universe is all that they have. And that's why all this talk of, of climate change and carbon footprints and pollution and the possibility of a planet that will experience irreparable damage is so terrifying to so many people in the world today. And indeed, poor stewardship and reckless pillaging of natural resources and disregard for the the well-being of the very planet we live in that's all fueled by a greedy desire to just get richer 
They all serve to, to invoke this fear of disaster for our planet in the next few decades. And to make matters worse, there's arguments about the interpretation of the scientific data. There's political virtue signaling. There's biased media companies. And it's increasingly difficult for people to know where to turn to to have reliable information, whom to trust. The universe which God had made so good to support us and to provide us with what we need to fulfill our task appears to become less and less dependable. And when we are facing grief and anxiety and concern for the future generations, it becomes clear to us that the sinful nature makes it that any person, any person, whether in a government suit or a science lab coat or a university seat or a business office of, of big tech or natural resources, cannot be depended on to bring society into a good direction. The curse upon the ground, the fall into sin of the entire human race, it's real. And it, and it can be seen all around us. It stands behind a lot of the frustration that we feel in this life. The anger we feel against the suffering and the oppression of the vulnerable. The helplessness we feel while, while being able to do so little to help or to make this world a, a better place. Our concern for the world we are giving to the next generation to live in. And Psalm 102 doesn't take away our concern for the universe that by promising we'll get through this. In fact, it tells us that the foundation of the earth and the heavens that are the works of God's hands will indeed perish. It's in verse 26. If you look at Isaiah 34 verse 4, it says the same, the host of heaven shall rot away and the skies roll up like a scroll. If you were hoping that the future generations would find solutions to their problems once they ensure the preservation of the universe, you need to understand that it is vain to put your hope in this created world. In Psalm 102, the universe is compared to a garment that wears out. And that comparison makes us, or makes at least me, think about the pair of jeans that I wore when I was 10. When we got them new at the beginning of the school year, we were so proud and they looked so nice. But then after weeks of doing assignments on the floor and playing soccer in the field and playing hide and seek in the bushes, the, the knees started to wear out and the belt loops hung loose and the pockets got holes in them. You can think of your own closet. Your nice sweaters get those little balls on them. I don't know what they're called, the little balls that cover your sweater and you don't feel like wearing it anymore. Your gray, your, your grad hoodies, they wear thin. Your winter gloves, they, they rip and they get burn marks on them. And then you need to, to, churn, to, to change them. And, and, and we can understand very clearly this comparison in Psalm 102. 
using things makes them wear out. And then you, you change them and then you have to learn to accept that that my old faithful t-shirt that I got 20 years ago and, or that pair of jeans that I just can't throw away that I might have prolonged a little bit longer in, in, the, in the rag, as a rag in my garage, they will pass away. Time takes its toll on our bodies. Time takes its toll on our universe. Using things wears them out. And like our clothes, Christians will do their utmost to prolong the environment they live in through good stewardship and careful management. But we do so realizing that the certainty of the future for the next generation simply cannot depend on the universe as it is lasting forever. And so Christians do not disagree with the premise that the universe has a limited lifespan. Isaiah 51 verse 6 says, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. The Bible confirms that the universe as we know it will pass away. Our Lord Jesus even said that in Matthew 24. But it, the Bible confirms that it will pass away, but it corrects the prevailing view in our society that it will be because of overuse or because of large families or because of, of recklessness. It's not climate change that will cause the end of the universe as we know it, but it is the return of our Lord Jesus on the day of judgment. And that's why we read, that's what we read in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter says that the same God who judged the world with the flood is storing up the heavens and earth to be burned for, for fire on the day of judgment. For the day of the Lord, we read in verse 10, will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. We cannot predict when this day is coming, but we do know that it is coming. And so as a result, our biggest concern is not whether or not our children can depend on this universe for a normal life, but whether or not our children will still be living at peace with the Creator and the Sovereign Judge when He returns to judge the living and the dead. That's, that this is the main concern of Psalm 102 is very clear in verse 18, where the church declares, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. You see, the, the urgency of this prayer, may our children know that our suffering will not disappear, that the universe is passing away so that they learn the most important thing in all eternity, to praise and worship the Lord. For when we turn to Him, we find comfort, hope, and refuge. The next generation will find comfort, hope, and refuge. Our Lord remains enthroned forever. In Psalm 102, the church sets the stage that explains the joy of their 
confession concerning the Lord that we worship. Our days are vanishing like smoke. The universe is wearing out and will perish when our Lord Jesus returns on the day of judgment. But look at verse 12. The Lord remains enthroned and he is remembered throughout all generations. This is the message of hope that we believe. This is the message we record so that future generations will pass it on. It was also seen in the display text in Psalm 78, the, the importance of telling the children, recording the faithful deeds of the Lord. Psalm 78, verse 4. When the church is anxious, we know that our Lord, you can see verses 13 and 14, our Lord will arise and have pity on Zion and on all those who hold her stones dear and, and have pity on her dust. That's, that's a reference to, to the Lord's mercy to all those who hold his church dear, who, who love the church even in her weakness. The unfailing rock in the midst of the swirling doubts and torrents of sorrow can be seen in verses 16 and 17. The Lord builds up Zion. He appears in glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. The comfort for the church today and the comfort for the church in the coming generation and the comfort for the generation after that that they must always know and must always cling to is that the Lord in heaven pays attention to what is happening on the earth from his holy height, as you see in verse 19. And then verse 20, he hears the groans of the prisoners to set free those who were doomed to die. The reason that the Lord does this is, can be found in verses 21 and 22. He does this so that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. God pays attention to his church. God will continue to pay attention to his church so that after they have learned to turn to him for help in their affliction, they may also praise him together for his love. The world will be preserved for as long as the Lord needs to gather those nations and, and kingdoms of the earth that we read about in verse 15. This love and concern for the, uh, for the Lord was, 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 from the Lord was manifest at the appointed time, the appointed time of God's favor. You can see verse reminds us it's verse 13. Speaking of the Lord arising to have favor at the appointed time in the Old Testament, you can see how that connects to Galatians 4, verse 4, when at the appointed time God sent His Son. And we see the Lord's compassion, His pity for the church in the midst of her suffering. We see the Lord sending His very own Son so that the, the next generation can continue to, to worship the Lord. You see him sending his spirit to dwell in our midst. Well, the answer to the suffering soul who feels lonely like a bird 
temporary as a vanishing shadow. Concern for the well-being of the next generation in a world that is wearing out. The comfort can be found in the eternity of God. We see that repeated many times in this psalm. I am like vanishing smoke, verse 12, but you, O Lord, endure forever. Verses 26 and 27, the universe will perish, but you will remain. These temporary earthly things will pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. The Lord breaks our strength and takes away all our our earthly temporary supports so that we turn to Him, we turn to, to His Son as our only help. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 to 12 quotes verses 25 to 27 of this psalm when it announces how the Son of God is superior to the angels. Unlike all created things, our Savior and our Lord is God Almighty, the Creator whose years have no end. Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. God's unchanging, steadfast love and His eternity give us much comfort and hope. This is, there is more going on than we can always see with our eyes or, or feel with our aching bones. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. God's kingdom will prevail, and our Lord who sits on the eternal throne of David has all authority in heaven and on earth. It is because our faithful covenant God remains the same, that he never grows old or tired, that we can confidently assert in verse 18, The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. The word servants makes this promise very specific to all those who call on the name of Jesus Christ who have been made to become children of God. A people yet to be created will know of the steadfast love of the Lord because His mighty deeds and His gracious glory have been recorded for the church of all ages. And His servants will teach their children from one generation to the next. And as generations come and as generations go, as the world gets used and worn out, as troubled child after troubled child of God looks to Him for help, they will all see the same thing that we see today. God is almighty. God is eternal. God hears the prayers of the downcast. God will build up Zion. He builds up His church. I could preach the same gospel in any country in the world today. The gospel is the same for anyone with with saving faith in Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit to live in this faith. I could use commentaries, 500-year-old commentaries, on this psalm stating the same thing. Our God is faithful. He hears the prayers of His people. When we think about time, we think about the passing of time. 
We cannot avoid the reality that it's slipping through our fingers. We are getting older. The world is always changing. Another year has passed. Tomorrow we'll start the year 2021. We know that our lives are fragile. That the Lord may break our strength in mid-course if He hasn't already done that. So that we're reminded to declare the name of the Lord in humble confidence and faith. We know that the world may become an even more dangerous place for Christians to live in than it is today. We may not like it. We don't fear all these possibilities, the the, the viruses and the diseases or the persecution that He may send to draw us near to Him. We wouldn't even be surprised if the world would, would suddenly be destroyed with fire as some environmentalists are even warning. But we know that when it happens, it will, be, it will be because our Lord Jesus is coming to take us to Himself. And we rejoice in the thought. In fact, our eyes are lifted up, crying out, Come, Lord Jesus. We're not afraid for the well-being of the coming generations. Because their salvation doesn't depend on what we do or what we say. Not even on the environmental health of the, of the universe. But it rests only on God's grace and His love. And He has promised, Your children, the generations to come, will serve Me. And God is eternal. And He remains. And He is faithful. And His years never end. 2020. 2021 makes no difference to the one for whom one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And we know that whatever happens, we and the generations after us will always dwell secure in His eternal and His almighty, His compassionate and His gracious hands. Amen.